great. I say, God is great. All the time. I was listening to um, uh, a sermon that was preached in Switzerland. Uh, they preach in German. And the pastor would say, God is good. And they will answer and say, Immer, always. <laughs> so, amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy 1.17. We've got it there on the screen. It's just a, one short verse. If I want to give a theme to this um, teaching tonight, if I can call it this, um, I would call it, Don't Be Afraid. Um, let's read the Word of God. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. We like to quote that scripture many times, especially when there's things that um, kind of scared us. My message tonight to you is, don't be afraid. You might maybe say, well, I'm not afraid. Well, my question then is, really? I want you all Excuse me, also to turn in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy 1, verse 8. Now, the Israelites are in, um, in Egypt. They are slaves to the Egyptians. But God gave them this promise, and He said, See, I have, I have given you this land. This is now the promised land. And then he said, Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the descendants after them. The promised land. Now, when you read the, the Pentateuch, I don't know if you guys know what that is. That's the first five books of um, the Old Testament, um, especially Exodus, N N Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, um, it talks about how God took the Israelites out of um, Egypt into the Promised Land. And there's mention in the Bible that this land is flowing with milk and honey. Now, when someone tells me, especially when I'm a slave, um, that there's a promised land that flows with milk and honey. He's going to get my attention. I would say, yep, I'm interested. I, want to, I will think of going over there. And the Bible also said that um, when you get there, there uh, you'll be given houses that you never built. You will be given vineyards that you never planted. So that sounds like a good deal. However, when we um, look into this... Um, next slide there, there's actually three things that God never mentioned um, to the Israelites. And that is that there's foreign tribes. I call them the sevenites. We'll look at that a bit later. There's 45 cities, big cities with huge walls. We know about Jericho, but Jericho wasn't the only one that was there. There were others as well. And then lastly, there was giants. Now, these giants are not the fairy Tale giants, um, we read in stories like Jack and the Beanstack and those things, Shrek. Um, these were real giants. 
Um, so we're going to talk about the seven ites and the fortified cities and giants. So have a look at the seven ites. That's why I call them seven ites. It's a Hittite. That means the, the, the actual um, meaning of that word is terror. So there we read about terrorists in the Bible. These guys um, spread terror. There was the Gergatshite. I don't know if I pronounce it right. Um, the meaning of this word is um, one who returns back from a pilgrimage of plunder. So they would go to other people's property, plunder, and take what doesn't belong to them and bring it back with them. That's the Gergeshites. Um, there's the Amorites. They were people who were arrogant and boastful in their speech, who were all, always challenging. Then there was the Canaanites. This name means merchants who humiliate. There was the Parasites. Not Parasites, Parasites. <laughs> they had no discipline or restrictions. Who believe we, we need discipline and we need restrictions? It's good to have it. It's good to have a law that says you're only allowed to drive 100 kilometers per hour on the Bruce Highway. Because if we don't do that, there will be consequences. <clears throat> There's the Hivites. They claim to offer a good lifestyle, living by phrases such as, if it feels good, do it. So, um, again, probably a teaching on itself again there. And then there was the Jubasites. They were people who exploit uh, and polluted others for immoral activities. Um, you can probably say they were rapists. Um, a lot of them lived in the towns that we knew as Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, many times when I read these passages in the Bible and all these names, it just overwhelmed me. And, you know, sometimes there's nuggets there. Um, it's good to, to pray and ask God to, sometimes in this, um, especially these books of Numbers, Exodus, Deuteronomy, where all these names are, um, to ask God to reveal to you these things. Um, what I did was I started to write these names down because it's good to distinguish who's who and where is what. Because some of the names are names of actual people and some of these names are actual names of places. And once you understand who's who and what is where, that is when you start to understand what God is saying in that word. So we also have the fortified cities. I've got a slide there, a couple of photos. Now they found runes. Actually, the runes of uh, Jericho were found. Um, this one is not Jericho. This is Baalbek. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's an ancient temple built actually in uh, modern-day Lebanon. It's just north of um, Israel. Um, we will read um, a bit later of the uh, Bashan, which was an area in, um, in Israel, and that was, that was where giants lived, the King Ark of Bashan. That's probably some of his stuff that we see there. But just look how big those, those, um, those rocks are, those stones. 
Um, can we have the next slide? The one on top there is the only one I could find, but um, that is actually excavations that archaeologists had dug up um, of ancient Jericho. And what they discovered was that these walls, as a lot of us um, probably thought or think, um, they did not fall down. They were actually pushed into the ground, supernaturally. We sometimes see those pictures like that. They, they crumbled and they fall down, but they were pushed into the ground. But again, they were not your average wall. Um, I think James mentioned the other Sunday morning when he was preaching that uh, horses and chariots could, could run on the top of that wall. They were huge walls. So there were fortified cities that the Israelites had to dealt with um, when they got into um, the promised land. And then there was the giants. We have that slide there, Petra. Archaeologists have found actual footprints in the bedrock. And just look at those, those foot um, or feet, footprints, whatever you want to call it. Pretty big. You can look at the size of that and you can calculate how big those guys were. Now, if, if you need to go into a, a land and you need to take that, would you be afraid? If there's a guy, um, the Bible said King Ark, his bedstead, so that is, if you translate it um, out of the original uh, uh, Greek, it's actually uh, his coffin or his sarcophagus was 18 feet long. So a guy, 18 feet, is probably taller than this, the ceiling here. Um, if you need to go into a, a country or in a land and there's guys that tall, are you going to be afraid? I think so. I would be. Can we have the next um, slide there? They not only found the footprints, they started to find the skeletons, skeleton remains of those people they were big, big eyes. And as you can see, this is not the, the story of um, Jack and the Beanstack. This is actually real. And um, they lived in the promised land. We sometimes get afraid because we got these sort of things in our lives. But let's have a look further what the, um, the Bible said about these things. Deuteronomy 2, 10 to 11 it says the Imam had dwelt there in the past, uh, or in the times past, as people uh, as great and numerous and at all as the Anunnakim. Now, the Imam and Anunnakim is, were actually giants. When you start to write these names down, when you do a Bible study, you see uh, these are actually giants. They were also regarded as giants there, the Bible tells you, like the Anunnakim, but the Moabites, which were the people who lived in Moab called them Imim. The Horites, they were also uh, giants, formerly dwelt in Seir, but the descendants of Esau disposed of them and destroyed them from um, before them and dwelt in their place, just as Israel did to the land of their position, which the Lord gave them. So even before the Israelites moved into the, um, the promised land, Esau, his descendants already destroyed some of these giants. 
Remember, before the Israelites um, went into Egypt with the story um, of Joseph, how he was sold as a slave, and um, they had to go and live there later, his brothers, how they reunited. Um, time had went past, and they were actually became um, slaves of Egypt. But in the meantime, Israel and his descendants stayed behind, and they sorted out the Horites. I wonder if that is where the word horror comes from, Horites. It's not all right. <laughs> Next slide there. Deuteronomy 3.11. For only Og, king of Bashan, there's the word Bashan, is right in the north of uh, Israel, modern-day Israel. Uh, actually, right on the north and the southern, it's where Israel border Lebanon. So the northern part of Israel and the southern part of Lebanon is where um, this king um, he, he reigned there, King Ark, and he was a giant. The Bible said, "Remained of, <coughs> excuse me, of the remnant of the giants." The Bible sometimes used these words also, uh, "rephaim" or "rephites." And there's also another word, the Nephilim. We read about that in uh, Genesis, because um, you might ask, where does these giants came from? Genesis six say. Um, there was fallen angels, and they actually um, mingled with um, earthly women back then and produced a, a race of giants. You can go and read it up, Genesis chapter 6. Um, where were we? Indeed, his bedstead, there it is, or his coffin. Well, thank you, um, Naomi. was an iron bedstead, so he had an iron coffin. It is not in... Uh, is it not in Rabbah of the people of Ammon? So the Bible write it there. That, that was actually on display for people to go and have a look at back in that times. And there it gives its sizes. Nine cubits it is in length and four cubits width. Some translations say nine cubits and a span. Now a, a cubit, I'll show you, I need to put this down. And not a very accurate measurement because not everyone's arms are the same. But at average, anything between 18 inches to 25 inches. So that gives you about 12 to 18 feet. That's a pretty tall guy. And a span is from your thumb to the tip of your middle, middle finger. That's a span. Um, and four cubits wide. So... Pretty wide coffin as well. I want you to turn in your Bibles. We want to read another piece of scripture here. Uh, Numbers 26.33. It's about the spies that went into Canaan. How many spies went into Canaan? Anyone know? Twelve. Some say ten. No, it was twelve. We only know two of these spies' names. It's Joshua and Caleb. And then there was another 10, we're not sure who they were. But the Bible said that there was 12 spies that went into Canaan. Numbers 13, verse 26 to 33. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron 
and all the congregation of the children of Israel, like in the wilderness of Paran. So they were still back in the desert. And the 12 spies went into um, the promised land. They spied out, and now they came back, and they report to Moses. Um, and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you send us. It truly flows with the milk and honey, just as um, they were told. Um, where were we? And this is its fruit. So, ta-da, there it is. Nevertheless, so we can probably say, but we've got a problem. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. They're not small, fortified little villages. They are pretty big stuff. We saw those pictures. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. So that's another a giant. Um, his descendants were called uh, the Anunnaki. Anyone had heard of the Anunnaki? Um, modern day, uh, actually on YouTube and those sort of things, there's, uh, there's a lot of things now that says the Anunnaki actually coming back. They are aliens and all this. But the Bible says they were giants. They lived back in those days. So the descendants of Enoch were called the Anunnaki. Um, just to get back to, to Ark, um, you know what his descendants were called? Ogres. Ever wonder where the word ogre came from? And um, they were not kind people. I'm not sure if they were green, but according to, um, to resources, they were actually flesh, they, they eat other people. They were not cool people. Don't be afraid. That's what God said. Don't be afraid of them. We'll read further in the book of Numbers. Verse 29, the Amalekites, so there's another oath, dwelled in the land of the south, the Hittites, and the, uh, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then there's this, this one guy that was part of this 12 spies. His name was Caleb. Who knows how old Caleb was in that time? He was 45 years old. Then Caleb quietly quieted the people. So he said, calm down, guys. Calm down, calm down. Before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. So don't worry about how big they are and all their fortified cities and what have you. Let's go and take them, take position. For we are well able to overcome it. Why? Because they actually had God. They had the word of God that says, I'll give you this land that I promised to your, uh, your forefathers. But the men who had gone up with him, so the other ten, said, no, 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 no. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than us. I just want to pause there for a while. Um, you know, there's something like, there's a difference between belief 
and five. So what is the difference? If I take this thing, I have five in gravity. So that means if I throw this up in the air, I know it's not going to stay there. It's going to come down again. That's my belief, because I believe in gravity. Faith is when I actually went into action and I do it. And it's right there where a lot of people have a bit of a problem sometimes. There was a story once. Um, who knows what a tightrope walker is? It's someone who can walk on a piece of rope that's spanned between high rises or whatever, and he can keep his balance. And um, he was doing a stunt, I think it was in New York, in one of those skys uh, or between two of those skyscrapers, they had spanned this rope, and they had cordoned off the, the streets, and there was people there, and the media was there. And so he appeared on the rope on the one side where he was tied to the, the skyscraper, and everyone was just cheering, and come on, do it, we know you can do it. And he got on the rope, and he starts walking. And he walked, and he walked, and he got to the other side, and the people went berserk. They cheered, this guy is good. Just look what he did. But it didn't stop there. On the other building, there was a wheelbarrow. He got that wheelbarrow out, and he put it on the, on the rope, and he walked back to the other side again. And the people really went berserk. Now, look, this guy is really good. And the announcer, or whatever you want to call it, back then, he calmed the people down. He said, hang on, this is not the end. We want to take it one step further. He's going to push that wheelbarrow back. We want the volunteer. Who wants to come and get into this, this wheelbarrow? <laughs> you know what? This cheering stopped. Because the belief was there, but the faith was not. It's good to, we believe it. This is how we Christians sometimes are. We believe the Word of God. But when it comes to time to put faith in action, that's where we get scared. That's why I said, really? Are you not scared? I preach to myself tonight as well. Let's read further in the book of Numbers. Where were we? Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Oh, we already read that. Um, 32. And then they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the, uh, we, we, that they had spied out. Oh, I don't have my glasses here. <laughs> um, I lost my, my place. The land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Hello, the August. And all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33. There, were, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak who came uh, from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in their own sight. And so we were in their sight. And we all know the story of what, what happened because of that. God said, all right, there's the desert. Get another 40 years for you in the desert. You're not interested in the promised land that I want to give you. Now, there's another thing that blew my mind when I started to, to do a bit of study here. 
Do you know when God called the, the Israelites to go and take the promised land, they were not meant to fight one battle? Because God said, just obey my word. I will go before you, and I'll drive them out for you. Can you turn in your Bibles to Exodus 23? Who loves reading the Word of God? Verse 20. Behold, I sent an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared for you. This is now God speaking to the Israelites. The angel here, if you go and do a bit of research, it's actually Jesus. In the Bible, it's with a capital, angel. And whenever the Bible talks about him or his, it's capital, capital letters again. And then the Bible says, verse 21, Beware of him and obey his voice. Obey his word. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Does that sound like Jesus? But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the um, to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Sevenites, and I will cut them off. You don't have to do it. I will do it. That's what God said. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their uh, sacred pillars. So shall you serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take away sickness from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear, this is an interesting one, before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. In other words, they're going to run from you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the seven nights. And I will drive them out from before you in one year. So it's not going to happen all at, at once. Why? The Bible says it there. Lest the land becomes uh, desolate and the beast of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. So God said, if you obey my voice, I will look after you. You just do as I tell you. Who knows that God sometimes is like the army. Is there anyone who had served in the army in old diggers here? Praise God for you. Um, you you're familiar with closed orders? The army sometimes gives closed orders. If you don't know what it is, you get orders. That's just a straightforward 
um, order. Go and do this. End of the story. But close orders is normally something a bit bigger. And the army will not give you the big picture. They will just come and they will tell you, listen, I want you to do, let's say, get in this truck, drive 100 kilometers in that direction, you will get a T-junction and wait. You'll get your next order. When you get there, you'll get your next order. Go now, drive another 30 kilometers in another direction, you'll find another army truck there, wait with him, you'll get your next order. And so it will progress, and soon normally you will find yourself in a, in a battle, in a contact with the enemy. And the army do that for a certain reason. Um, if they give you that whole story, the, the whole um, order, you'll probably run away. And I'm pretty sure if God told the Israelites there's fortified cities, there's the seven heights, there's giants, they probably would have said, Lord, we, we, we're happy, we, we're all good here, we'll just stay in Egypt. We have our food, we have our houses, um, they can have that. That's not what God's plan was for them. Because God had a plan for the Israelites, but he also had a plan for those giants. Because why was the giants there? Remember when Adam and Eve sinned? And God spoke to Adam and Eve and to the serpent. And he told, not Adam, he told Eve and the serpent. And he said, I will bring a conflict between the woman's seed and the seed of the serpent. Because the seed of the serpent is those giants. They came, the fallen angels, they came down, they intermingled with the women of that time, giants produced. That was not part of God's plan. He wanted to get rid of them, giants. And, you know, sometimes God chose people um, out of a group of other people, the elect. I'm thinking of his disciples. There were 5,000 men sitting on a hill, apart from the women and children. They had no food. God multiplied bread and fish, feed them. Everyone witnessed them. And then after that, they cleaned up. They picked up all the, the leftovers. Awesome miracle. Everyone witnessed it. But then God choose out of all that people, people that he told, all right, I want you now to get down, down this hill to the Sea of Galilee, get in the boat, get over to the other side, and I'll meet you there. That was his word. And they did that, but what happened? There was a storm, and they started to fear, because they didn't believe that God said, you need to go to the other side, I am going to meet you there. They thought, no, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to perish. But what happened? Jesus came walking in the water. They got scared. They thought it was a ghost. Then they realized, oh, no, 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 it's not a ghost. It's Jesus, praise God. There was a bit of unbelief with Peter, and he said, Jesus, if it's really you, that was a wise thing he said there. This was the wise thing. Command me to get out of the boat and walk in the water. And Jesus said, okay. 
get out and come and walk on the water. And Peter did that. He walked on the water. Actually, he did not walk on the water. He walked on that very word that Jesus just spoke. And all of a sudden, Peter saw those seven heights and the fortress cities and the giants in the form of the wind and the big waves and the rain. And he started to sink. Jesus said, you, where's your faith? Come on. How, many time, how much time I have? Um, Joshua 2, um, verse 8 to 13. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you. There's a, the story of Rahab. When these, um, the spies went into the promised land, they came back. Now they spent time, 40 years in the desert. And now they came back under um, the command of Joshua. And Joshua's feel the Lord said, right, Jericho, we need to take in. And he sent uh, more spies now again to spy out Jericho. And they met a woman named Rahab. She said something very, very interesting. You know what that was? She said, where were you 40 years ago? We heard of you. You can go and read it. We heard of you. We heard your God had split the Red Sea. We heard how you killed those giants. Where were you? Four years back. So when we heard that, fear came into our hearts. It, it melted us. We nearly ran away. We thought, what's going to happen? Here comes people. We stand no chance with them. And then she backed them and said, spare me and my family when you need to do what you need to do. I want to share and I want to finish one last story. And I think this is one of the most beautiful stories I ever heard in the Bible. Um, we have now looked at Joshua, but there's another guy um, of these 12 spies that initially went into um, the promised land. His name was Caleb. I asked earlier, how old was he when they went into the promised land. He was 45. So now they went back. They spent another 40 years, and now they're back to take the land. How old is he now? 85. I want to read this to you. This is pretty cool. Joshua 14. Verse 6 to 15. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jennifer, the Kinnishite, said to him, You know the Lord which uh, sorry, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old, sorry, it was forty years, not forty five. Um, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, sent me into the uh, promised land. I'm just going to skip through this quick. So, what, what happened there was, he went in there, he spied the land, and he saw um, the mountain of Hebron. And that's also right up there in the land of Bashan. 
And when he came back, Moses said, because of your report, that was strong. You tried to pursue this, guys, that we need to go back and take possession of this land. Um, God will give you that mountain. And then chapter 15 said that on that mountain live the three sons of Anak. Uh, Joshua 15, 13 to 15. I just want to read this to you. This is so cool. Um, Now to Caleb, the son of Jennifer, who gave a share among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kiriah Arba, which is Hebron. That's that mountain. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there. Their name, names was Sheshai, Aiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Now I want you to picture that. An 80-year-old man. He had the word of God. He had that promise of God. And he walked there to those three giants. And he got there and he said, Hey, you three. Yes, you talking to you, big mouths, you, God is giving me this mountain, you got two options, you either pack your bags and leave, or second option, I'll kill you, choice is yours, 80 year old man, and we thought, wow, and David was brave, but we always always like the story of David, how he killed Goliath, but we never hear the story of how Caleb went and chased off three giants. 80-year-old man. Praise God. Why? Because he was not afraid. He had the word of God. And you know, the word of God is true. I want to to end now. I want to go back to um, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. And I want to read it in context. How I'm going to do it is I'm just going to read the f- verse 6 and verse 8 so we can see what that is all about. Therefore, this is now verse 6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. And he said, I pray for you, I laid my hands on you, God had imparted his gift in you, so you now need to put faith to that and stir it up. You now need to put action to it. You need to do it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, so don't be afraid to do it, but God gave us a spirit of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. And then verse 8 says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. It talked about the gospel. We all are called by God. If you are a Christian, You have a calling of God 
to preach the gospel. I want to read to you Mark 16, verse 15 to 20. And he said to them, this is now his disciples, but this is also to you and me tonight, because we are the disciples of Jesus as well. Amen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. The gospel. If you don't know what the gospel is, you better come and see me. Gospel actually means good news. And Pastor Howard this morning said, sometimes when you preach the good news, people don't even know what the bad news is. You need to tell them the bad news so they can appreciate the good news. We are called to preach that good news. And these signs will follow for those who believe in me. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is often referred to the great commandment. Jesus' commandment to his disciples and to us. But we neglect that verse 19, I had underlined it there. Just as we just read how the angel of God, Jesus himself, went with the Israelites. That was God's original plan. Jesus had the same plan for us. Now then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And when they went out and preached everywhere, who's that, the disciples, the Lord working with them. So they were not alone. And confirming the word that Jesus had just said through the accompanying signs. So Jesus is with us. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love power and a sound mind. If you are afraid, don't be afraid. You're not alone. The battle is not yours. The battle belongs to to the Lord. He will go before you. The Bible said God looks after his word to see that that it comes to pass. He will look after his word, the word that he gives you to see that it comes in fulfillment. The promised land, we always think that the promised land is one day when we are in heaven. I think we're wrong, because in heaven there's no fortified cities, and there's no seven heights that we need to smite, and um, there's no giants. Promised land, I believe, is the fulfillment of God's promises for you here on earth, the fulfillment of His Word that I have for you. If you don't have Word over your life, I would encourage you to get Word. Just as Peter had that word of God, get out of the boat and start walking in the water. It seems impossible. It doesn't matter. With God, all things is possible. Even if you have to walk in water, because you will not walk on the water. You will walk on the word of God. The word of God, the Bible said, is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's a weapon. 
When we read about the, 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 um, the, the weaponry of God, and we read about the Word, it says it's a sword. It's the, that thing that we fight with. It's no good if we have a sword and we don't use it. And a lot of Christians don't know how to use the sword. It's the very thing that Jesus used when he was tempted by the devil. He pulled out his sword, his word, and he started fighting the devil with the word, his sword. If we don't know the word of God, we need to start getting into this and learn it, read it, breathe it, sleep it, eat it. This is life. Jesus said, you will not live by bread of alone, but of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is how we're going to live. We're going to defend ourselves with the sword, which is the word of God, and we will live by that. Can we pray? Oh, I want to share one last thing. Do you know how many times, and that differs a little bit in translation to translation, how many times is there written in the Bible, don't be afraid? 364 times. So for each day of the year, God is telling you, don't be afraid. I'm with you. And each time he said, don't be afraid, there's a reason why he said it, because he either wants you to do something or... There's something that he's going to come and do in your life. My message tonight to you is, don't be afraid. The battle belongs to God. God is in control. Even though there's turmoil in the world, even though things sometimes look like if they are falling apart, God is still in control. Don't be afraid. Can we close our eyes, please? Lord, we thank you tonight that we could have gathered here and hear your word speaking to us, Lord, that you encourage us that we are not to be afraid, that uh, we are not to be scared of what the world and the enemy might throw to us, Lord, but your word is strong and your word is true and your word is just and you look after your word to fulfill it, Lord. And Lord, tonight we want to come, Lord, and we want to pray that you will give us, uh, not only um, help us to believe, but that you will give us faith in your word so we can uh, start to, to act out your word, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray this, Lord. Lord, I pray and I want to ask tonight on behalf of, of the, the people here tonight, Lord, and even on myself uh, in the past where we had failed you, where we were scared, where we were ashamed of preaching the gospel, Lord, to forgive us our sins, to forgive us that wrong, Lord, and to give us one more time, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will make your word alive in us, Lord. I pray that you will bring a hunger in us for your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray this, and we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. I don't know. That's all I've got to say tonight. Is there Ben or... Jeff, thanks, mate. Thanks, Tians. It's a great reminder there to not be afraid. I think a lot of times we think if God takes us out of the situation, we won't be afraid. That's not 
sometimes the plan, is it? The plan is actually to go through that situation and to exercise our faith so we can overcome that fear. It's not just about taking us out of that situation and removing the obstacle. Because, yeah, that, that removes the fear, but we don't actually get anything out of that. And God's more in, interested in, in our growth than he is about our personal comfort. Yeah? I know that may terrify some of you, but sometimes we go through those situations so that we can grow and learn how not to be afraid. Yeah? So, what a great thought. And on that, we'll close the meeting. And I hope you guys have a great week. Don't forget the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. It's a great time to come out and exercise some of that thing. It's a good thing to practice when you get into prayer and you're actually declaring the Word of God and you're praying that. That stirs up inside you and then that's when you magnify God and your problems start to shrink. So come out on a, on a Tuesday night and, and do some practice. I'll be here. Kate and I will be here. Sorry, the time is at seven. Yep. So have a wonderful week. And um, if you need anything during the week, you can ring me. Pastor James won't answer his phone. <laughs> so have a great week.